0: I'm very happy to have you here on a Wednesday night. It's Hump Day. But it doesn't feel like Hump Day for me. It feels like a Tuesday because Monday I head off and, well, you know how the whole thing went. But tonight's going to be great because we've got a couple of stories that we're going to be doing, got a couple of stories that I want to cover, things, themes to throw out there. And we're bringing on a first time guest for this show. His name is Kyle Serafin. He's a federal whistleblower, former FBI agent. I'm going to review his bio with you prior to his arrival at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. I've got some media clips here from the, the Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump interview. I only watched the clips. And then there is a little bit of the Elon Musk. There's a little bit of these robot dogs that the NYPD are now rolling out to fight crime. That is going to go. That's going to be so... I, I need to know more. We're going to learn more about them as they, they get rolled out here because it's the first interactions people have with these robots are going to be the most interesting, and they're always going to be filmed. You'll see how many robots commit suicide by the end of the year, especially the ones here in New York. But I, um, we're going to talk about that tonight, and then afterwards, because it's Rabbit Hole Wednesday on QuiteFrankly.tv, I know there's there's definitely going to be that, uh, that Black Mirror episode with that. So um, so that'll be great. Good stuff. But I can't wait to talk with Kyle Serafin. Very, very interesting guy. Funny guy. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that this will be the first of many more appearances. But we, he's been on Dark to Light with me and Tracy a couple of times now. Probably more times without me. I I've been there for him uh, being on twice. This is gonna be the first time with quite frankly, but that'll be that'll be all for tonight. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. And be on the lookout over the next couple of days for my latest appearance on the SGT report. I was able to spend a nice hour with Sean today. And he said that I was number three in the in, in line for publishing. So maybe on Thursday or Friday, who knows? Anyway, be on the lookout for that if you Subscribe to Sean. You'll be pleasantly surprised, hopefully, to see me pop up. Thank you to all of my friends out there and all of my affiliates and good buddies on the affiliates page on Quite Frankly TV. Go check it out. I hope many of you are watching this on Quite Frankly TV. It has gotten very cozy over there. Really nice. A few more alterations coming your way, but uh, I think that we are going to be sent with the good vibes for the rest of the year at least. So I like these. I like these little. Uh, facelifts that we do makes everything feel fresh okay so what did I do did I press play on that or not there you go alright so let's jump into our super chats into our grab bag tomorrow night we have Hunter Fowkes coming on the show he is a storm chaser and a meteorologist on April 19th G. Edward Griffin OG OG Edward Griffin is coming on the show again he had so much fun the first time that he—he's uh, he's, absolutely—it's come back. The day after on 420 is going to be Dr. Albert Taylor, the Soul Traveler, and we're going to be talking about the astral plane and uh, remote viewing and lucid dreaming again. I cannot—I've been waiting almost two years for this follow-up, so he—I'm very happy to have him back next week. And then the day after that, April. The, what a what a week we got next week. Is it next week? It is nineteenth, twenty, and twenty-first. 21st. The twenty-first 21st, got Shane Cashman coming on to talk paranormal, and it's gonna be a nice trippy week next week. And uh, and then I think of maybe a Friday or two after that, probably Cinco de Mayo on May fifth. I want to try to have my my parking my parking law my law what is it the parking enforcement. I want to have the parking enforcement agent coming on. His name is John, and he's a really interesting guy. Really interesting guy. I met him last August. It was the week that we had that gig that we were doing on that Thursday. And I, um, and I met him. I met him then. He's a really nice guy. So you want to come on a show sometime? I think people will like you. So we'll see when you get to meet my uh, parking ticket guy. I'll probably be in May. May programming is looking hot. All right. All right. Now, another reminder, Brave New World is now on YouTube and SoundCloud. The entire session with me and Jay Dyer. So take a look at that. Read along, too, so you know what the hell's going on. You can really have the full experience. All right. First one up in the grab bag is over here. Uh, oh, wait. I didn't put myself live on, on Rockfin. That's something I should have done. People are probably like, what the hell? And I don't know what's been going on with Odyssey lately, but it's like every other night we're streaming on Odyssey with no sound. So I don't know if that's the case having right now. They're, They're having it over there right now, but last night it was the case. It's not on my end, so I don't know. Here's the first one up. It's from Zero Hedge. Headline, You Just Lied, Elon Crushes BBC Reporters' Claims About Hate Speech on Twitter. Less than a week after Twitter labeled the BBC government-funded media, owner Elon Musk gave an impromptu interview to News, the news agency on Tuesday evening at Twitter headquarters, where he discussed topics ranging from layoffs to misinformation to his work habits to the fact that most of the advertisers who left in a huff have now returned or said they will. But who cares about most of that? Elon totally crushed the BBC reporter James Clayton by calling him out over the nanny state's favorite straw man hate speech and then trying to get Clayton to admit that he he likes large black penises. I did not see that part. Uh, When asked why there's so much more hate speech on Twitter since he took over, Musk pushed back, challenging Clayton to provide a single example, which he could not do. You've got to listen to some of this. We did this in the morning show, too, but I already had it ready to go. Take a listen to this.
1: Uh, I mean, I, yeah. would, I would only just add that you know we have spoken to people who, who have been sacked that used to be in content moderation, and, and uh, p- we've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation, and, and they just say they just there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Do, do, is that well, something what hate that you want speech to are you talking about?
2: I mean, you use Twitter, right? Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean I, I, but just a personal anecdote like what do you, do you
1: I don't p- personally my uh, for you I would see I get I get more of that kind of content yeah personally but I am not going to talk talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter you, you see more
2: hate speech personally
1: I would say I would see more hateful content in that
2: in that content way. you don't like or or hateful what do you mean to, to describe a hateful thing
1: yeah I, I mean you know just content that will
0: He's screwed. He's screwed. He's screwed. Now, I hate the For You tab as well. I don't consider it hate speech, of course. I just don't like the people in it. It is not for me. You know, I just think that it, there's, there's a disparity between what you say the column is all about and the bubbling pile of shit that's inside of it. I don't want to see it. You know, I like to at least deprioritize it or get it off my feet altogether. It's not for me. You know, allow customization for this stuff. Um, But this guy is talking about how there is, like, something really, really foul is going on there. Hate speech. And then, you know, when you ask them a question, I don't care what you think about Elon Musk, but you have to take a look at this, watch this uh, exchange. If you're listening on podcast land right now, you can hear it just fine. But you should really watch what a conversation looks like, a good one. Elon Musk is looking straight into his eyes and is listening to what he's saying and is asking very basic questions based on the statements he's making. Now he's making big statements so basic, basic questions about them should be pretty easy and he can't answer it. And This is what we need to do more of these days and this is a, a big reason why these exchanges don't happen anymore okay you're not going to see alexandria ocasio-cortez sit down with anybody that is an uncontrolled quantity like elon musk and it's for this very reason because basic lines of questioning make them look like babbling idiots
1: solicit a a reaction something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist those kinds of those kinds of things so you think if something
2: is slightly sexist it should be banned
1: I, n- no, is that I'm, what not, you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm, saying, well, I'm just curious.
2: I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con- content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content.
1: Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's um, why I'm asking for examples.
0: Slightly. He's got no. He has no examples. Slightly vague. He wants to get out of this so bad. He wants this conversation to end so badly.
2: Can, right, you, name, can you name one
1: example? I, I honestly don't. I, I, honestly, I. You don't, can't name I, a single I, example. I'll tell you why. Because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore. Because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you, said actually, you a, lot of people, a lot of people. are quite similar. I only. at a second. My you said oh, you've boy. seen
2: more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks.
0: Okay, so when you used the feed four and a half weeks ago, what were you seeing? Anything? No. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for this gibberish. Why did you even take the flight out here? I hope this guy lives in California already and is just doing, you know, satellite work for the BBC. Because if he took the flight from the UK to here to sit down and look like a god, oh man. Oh boy. That, that, that's just something else. So that was a lot of fun, to watch him bury himself a nice deep, deep grave. And then jump in and then claw at the sides until it all caved in on him. So that was nice. That was nice. As far as the, the black peni, I don't know what the hell that was all about. I did not see it. Oh, oh Elon Musk says, do you like BBC? Oh, I got you. Okay, yeah, well, that, that, that's, that, that's something that I fight with every time that I have to say that acronym to not, uh, to not make a joke and, and uh, turn all the lemon faces off. Oh, okay, I get what you say there. Here, let me see.
2: Oh, What questions I have? Um. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the BBC? Do you like BBC? Okay, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs>
1: right, can interview you? I always work for the BBC. So BBC? You like, do you like BBC? Do you like BBC? I know. I see what you're doing.
0: I'm not going to respond to that. Yeah, I just want to get into it. Just can't say no. All right. So, so let's move on from there. So that's a little bit of what's, what's happening. Now, this was truly incredible. Truly incredible. This is from Reuters. Let's look at this headline or listen to this headline. Ukrainian hackers say that they have compromised. They have a, They have compromised russian hacker spy who hacked the democrats in 2016 now the ukrainians say that they have even gone they've done us a service and they've tied up a loose end for us over here in the u.s i cannot believe this ukrainian hackers claim to have broken into the emails of a senior russian military spy Wanted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation for hacking the Hillary Clinton campaign and other senior U.S. Democrats ahead of Donald Trump's election to the presidency in 2016. I can't believe that they're doing this. Ukrainian, yeah, what were they using? All, All the Vault 7, all the Vault 7 tools? Is that how they found them? In a message posted to the Telegram on Monday, a group called itself Cyber Resistance said it had stolen correspondence from Lieutenant Colonel Sergei Morachev, Morgachev, who was charged in 2018 with helping organize the hack and leak of emails from the Democratic National Committee and the Clinton campaign. Reuters was not immediately able to fully corroborate the claim. Oh, but some of Morgachev's purported personal information purported not able to fully corroborate. which which hackers shared with the Ukrainian publication Napalm lines up with previously leaked data preserved by the cybersecurity research platform Constella Intelligence. Stefano Sosanto, a researcher at Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich, who has studied Ukrainian hacking groups, said the leak, quote, looks pretty credible. Oh my gosh. Looks pretty credible. Not able to fully corroborate the claim. Purported personal information But Morgachev. Wow, wow. A nice quick three minute read thrown out there. Just farted, farted out of Thomson Reuters. This is like Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn in Death Becomes Her. Having to go back to Bruce Willis every so often to get their legs spray painted so that they don't look so obviously dead. The fact that someone, someone out there on the inside thought this would be a good opportunity to essentially go and retcon the original Russia hack by incorporating some new, uh, you know, U- Ukrainian now cyber triumph story is is un- it's pretty unbelievable. I cannot believe it. Just leave it alone. They actually are retconning this story to try to add it more believability seven, eight years later. Truly incredible. On such a shit article. What a shit article. A couple of paragraphs and all it does is tell you that they actually don't know anything. Anyway, uh, here's a... Here's, here's the New York City Police Department talking about the new Digi-Dogs. This is, this is
1: incredible.
3: The robot will be remotely controlled only by trained TARU, Technical Assistance and Response Unit officers, and be deployed to assist ESU, Emergency Service Unit, in hostage negotiations, counter-terrorism incidents, and other situations as needed. This will only be deployed at the direction of the Chief of the Department, myself, uh, this is something that's been used with the FDNY for the last year and they've had positive uh, success with it. And we believe that this DigiDog will help save lives, increase public safety, keep people who are suspects in crime, people who suffering from mental health crisis. It will help them and help us provide better service to them.
0: How? How is this robot dog going to Help somebody who has a mental health issue. What what is it? Now we're going to jump into this a little bit more in the second half because we don't have too much time right now, but it's just incredible to see uh, to see these types of these types of public addresses and public relations events outside because these look like scenes that you would see from like a a a. a, a I don't know, a, bat, a Batman movie? Like they're in Gotham City and they're introducing some new technology that you know later in the, in the uh, story is going to become relevant or it's going to go haywire, it's going to go rogue, RoboCop. I just don't know. Or, or like a flashback. It starts off in the dystopian future and there's a flashback to right where they crossed the line of no return. It's just so weird. And like I said, it's really doing, the rubber's going to meet the road once people start, uh, they start messing with these things. Big time. I can't wait to see what people do, especially when it goes into the wrong neighborhood. All right. Okay. 7.15. That is what I'm just setting the table for you. Oh, there's one more thing. Now we'll do that right over here. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Indeed. This is rat weather. I love I mean these are this is the weather right now. It's like 75 degrees outside. It's gorgeous. Tomorrow's gonna be 84. It's gorgeous. This is great weather for playing some rat. Some Europe. <laughs> yeah, well, well why not? Some giant? I don't know, we'll go into that. Cinderella. Now what else? I don't know. Havoc? get heavier and heavier here slayer no not slayer yet it's not slayer weather yet but uh anyway i'm so happy that you're out there and hanging let's get to a couple more things now that the show is officially kicked off if you want to send in your super chats to be part of the show it is quite frankly superchat.com remember everybody who sends in a super chat has their name entered in to the uh one raffle ticket a person raffle for brave new world my copy from the book club, so you can go read along with all my notes and doodles and stuff like that. So that's what you got there. And then there is the Rumble Rants. Please indulge me on those. It's so simple. It's right there. And then there's the Gold Pills on QuiteFrankly.tv, which I hope a lot of you are nestling in for a long night on QuiteFrankly.tv because, like I said, it is Rabbit Hole Wednesday as soon as we're done over here with the 7 o'clock show. All right. So the Western Journal, Trump makes a big prediction about what will happen to Biden in 2024. Almost inappropriate for me to say it, he says. Trump asserted Biden couldn't make it through a campaign based on how poor Biden's performance has been in the role of president. Take a listen to this, this 38-second clip. Do you think Biden
5: will stay in the race?
0: Look, uh...
4: I, I watch him just like you do, and I think it's almost inappropriate for me to say it. I don't see how it's possible, but there's something wrong. I saw his answer today on television about whether or not he was going to run to a very nice guy named Al Roker. I mean, you can't get a softer question than that. That was a long answer, talking about the eggs and the this and that. Look, I don't think he can. <laughs> subscribe to
0: the fox I love the way he said that I don't think he can where was that at 32 seconds uh Mr President do you think that Joe Biden can ride a bike I don't think he can <laughs> what else we have? Hey, uh hey uh, uh Mr Trump do you think that Joe Biden remembers who his wife is
4: I don't think he can
0: <laughs> well that's that's terrible that's terrible i'm sure it pains you to say it um uh, can joe biden work without a diaper on i don't think he can I mean i i, I don't know it's the, he's, it's the hard questions there but i think he's answering it honestly now here's another clip a one minute long clip that was set aside by the vigilant fox and this one, I think, is a little bit more of a table-setter for what we're talking about tonight. Listen to this about uh, who the biggest problem is for the United States. Is it Russia? Is it China? Who is it? It so was just on to the next one. I often say, they said to
4: me the other day, one of your fellow journalists said, uh, who's the biggest problem, sir? Is it China? Could it be Russia? Could it be North Korea? No, I said the biggest problem is from within. It's these sick, radical people from within. Because we can handle, if we're smart, we can handle Russia, China. I did. I took in billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars from China. No other president took in anything. And they respected me. He's the same thing, you know.
0: So the problem is within.
4: I told him, you can't go into Taiwan. You can't. You can't do it. I won't tell you exactly what I said, but it was something that... Probably a lot of people wouldn't like it if they heard it, but it was very tough. Don't go into Taiwan. If you do, we're going to have problems. Other than that, we're going to be great relationship. We're going to have a great relationship. And he said to me when I said we're going to do something, if he goes in, no, 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 you wouldn't do it. I'll do that. I swear I'll do that. And he didn't believe me, but he believed me 10%. The same thing with Putin.
0: I said I was going to... So, yeah, this is all other stuff. But the problem was within, from sick, radical people within. Now, there's plenty of subject matter to talk about with that. I don't know how far down the rabbit hole he's going to go with it, but I know that's uh, something that makes our ears perk up. We acknowledge that kind of sickness every night. Well, here's another little example of the things that are going on within, and then we'll start introducing our guests for the evening. This is from amgreatness.com. House Judiciary Committee subpoenas Christopher Ray after learning FBI plan to develop sources at Catholic churches to rat on fellow parishioners. This is what the FBI is up to. The Republican-led House Judiciary Committee issued a subpoena to FBI Director Christopher Wray on Monday after learning the Bureau planned to enlist sources at so-called mainline Novus Ordo Catholic parishes to inform on purportedly radicalized fellow parishioners. (laughs) Oh, geez. In his letter to Wray, the committee's chairman... I'll tell you, most of these Novus Ordo Catholic parishes would probably just be happy for anybody to show up to Mass... Going to start ratting on people? Chasing away the five people left? In his letter to Ray, the committee's chairman, Representative Jim Jordan, Ohio, revealed for the first time that the FBI, quote, relied on information derived from at least one undercover agent to produce its analysis, and that the FBI proposed that its agents engage in outreach to Catholic parishes to develop sources among the clergy and church leadership to inform on Americans practicing their faith, quote, Unquote, uh, end quote. Jordan wrote. This is a shocking information that reinforces our need for all responsive documents. He added. The new information came to Chairman Jordan and Representative Mike Johnson in response to repeated document requests regarding the Bureau's interest in spying on traditional Catholics. We have repeatedly sought information from the FBI related to the January 23, 2023 document generated by the Richmond Field Office entitled, Interest of Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists in Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology Almost Certainly Presented New Mitigation Opportunities. That's the FBI Richmond document. That was the title. Jordan wrote, The congressman described the FBI's March 23rd, 2023 response the substandard and partial, as substandard and partial with many significant redactions that prevented the committee from fully assessing the content and context of the documents. Nevertheless, the limited information the committee received revealed that the FBI had relied on information derived from at least one undercover employee who sought to use local religious organizations as, quote, new avenues for tripwire and source development. For example, you remember when they they were trying to get, how do we get into the mosques? Now it's the Catholic Church. Now it's the Catholic Church because, you know, one out of every 100 people, Want to, uh, want to go back to pre-conciliar life, which has nothing to do with terrorism or racism, that's for sure. Chapels in the FBI Richmond are, uh, area to sensitize these congregations to the warning signs of radicalization. Oh, no. The Society of St. Pius X is an international fraternity of traditionalist Catholic priests, according to the, the document. The FBI also planted a spy on mainline Catholic parishes in the Richmond area. Type 5 assessments are organized preliminary uh, investigative activities that must have an authorized purpose and a clear scope. FBI whistleblower Kyle Serafin, who's going to be on the show in just a few moments, explained on Twitter. This type of assessment is to designate a create uh, and to create a pool of potential sources to recruit an objective way in on uh, the value that they can provide in access and placement. The assessment includes background workups on the potential sources to determine routes to approach and recruit them, as well as the likelihood that they would be susceptible to recruitment. This information is outrageous and only reinforces the committee's need for an FBI material response Uh, to our request said the congressman the documents produced to date show how the FBI sought to enlist Catholic houses of worship as potential sources to monitor and report on their parishioners Americans attend church to worship and congregate for their spiritual and personal betterment they must be free to exercise their fundamental First um, First Amendment rights without worrying that the FBI may have planted so-called tripwire sources or other informants in their houses of worship well, you know, i got to say, and I'm sure, I'm sure that our, uh, our guest tonight would be able to talk a little bit about this, but the counterterrorism operation that was set up after 9-11, it had to completely revalidate, it had to validate itself over and over again by being able to entrap young Muslim boys all over the country give them inert bomb making materials and be able to trap them and then hold up their tro- trophy fish in front of the country so that we can continue to just just flush them full of money. And that is how counterterrorism is kept up. Of course, since 2001, all of that war on terror stuff has shifted in very obvious ways. January 6th is the new 9/11. The new Al Qaeda is straight white Christian men primarily, and everybody else who walks uh, in, in similar and parallel paths to them in life. So that's just really what it is. You know, if you're not white, then you are you, you're you're a I don't know you're putting blackface or brown face on white supremacy, as some of those Tennessee um, uh, charlatans have been saying to their their fellow their fellow uh, congressmen and women in the Tennessee state government. So this is how it's all changed. And it, it's just eerily similar. Well, like when you see that these they're getting this placement inside of there, and they're going to start narking, and we know how the war on terror here at home is, is shifting. Very, very eerie, especially if you've been paying attention to this stuff since the years right after 9-11 and how everything started changing with law enforcement and and the war on terror so this is the new uh, another example of how we're writing the new chapter of this all right so here we have it. Kyle Serafin is a former FBI Special Agent and U.S. Air Force veteran. He managed restaurants, worked corporate sales, and performed financial analysis for a major movie studio prior to enlisting at 27 years old. On active duty, he graduated from a series of difficult training programs including combat control selection, U.S. Air Force combat dive, and power rescue indoctrination. Serafin was the distinguished graduate of the CCT Operator Course at Keesler Air Force Base, and graduated. From from the Joint University of New Mexico-U.S. Air Force Pararescue Paramedic School. After separating from the Air Force, Serafin worked on an ambulance as a lead paramedic in a high-volume emergency room in Austin, Texas. He attended the FBI Academy at Quantico in the summer of 2016 and was assigned to the Washington Field Office. While in Washington, D.C., Serafin worked counterintelligence and on specialty surveillance team. After a voluntary transfer to Las Cruces in New Mexico... He provided a number of protected disclosures to the House and Senate Judiciary Committee staff and was indefinitely suspended in April of 2022. Now, uh, tonight tonight we have uh, Kyle on with us for the first time, and it's going to be great to jump into this with you guys and gals And quite frankly. Hey, Kyle, you there? I am here. Oh, man, it's great to have you on tonight, dude. It's been a long time coming, and, uh, and here we are.
6: There we are. Yeah. How yeah.
0: are we doing? Well, oh, here's how we're doing. I'm doing all right. Um, but you just don't know if uh, when, you're, when you're praying in a church these days, if the person next to you is actually praying or trying to listen to what you're praying for. I mean, what the hell is going on? I mean, we, back in February, we heard of this, the, what is it, the, that assessment that we were, were reading that was, of course, redacted, retracted, and all that stuff about how they wanted to infiltrate and, and really focus in on traditional Catholic masses and groups and all that, and now we get a little bit more of this. I just read some of your thoughts on there. What else you got for us on this?
5: So... We we went back and reviewed what we had. The original document came out on uncovereddc.com, as you, as you probably know. We put the source document out there, which has been since retracted. But I went back and reread what was in there with kind of a keener eye based on what's come out of the Weaponization Committee and based on what uh, Jim Jordan's folks have sort of released, what Josh Howley has stated. And I'm fairly convinced that the author... Of the document that I produced, which was an intelligence product, it was called a domain awareness product. So that's a specific type of analysis. I'm fairly confident that the uh, the actual author is in fact the undercover FBI employee who was going into the churches in Richmond, church or churches, just based on the language within that document. Uh, that's my sense from reading it. Uh, I've run it by a couple of other intelligence professionals with decades of experience, and uh, the statement I got back was it has all the hallmarks of the author, in fact, being the source of the information.
0: So what does that mean? Does that mean that somebody wanted to go on a, it's like a, it might be a personal vendetta that, that started with a a person's personal will to try to take down or cause trouble for a, a faith or church and then just reverse engineered all the predicate.
5: That's right. Yeah. So the person who wrote it is an intelligence analyst. So he decided he's not a field guy. That's not what intelligence analysts do, but he decided he's Jack Ryan, maybe. (laughs) And uh, he decided to go operational into this uh, environment, it sounds like. And here's the thing that's fun about this guy. First of all, it's a male. That's not always the case for intel analysts. A lot of them are females. Uh, Probably 75, 25, break, something to that effect, or or close to it. But more interestingly, he's a recent graduate from Georgetown University, which is a Jesuit Catholic university. And... um, he would have some of the background knowledge, which was pretty intricate inside Catholic baseball. When you read what he's talking about, the the Society of Saint Pius the Eighth, and so on, um, some of this sort of schismatic talk and and discussions about whether or not these are canonical or non-canonical uh, organizations and orders and and religious movements within the Catholic Church are, you know, I'm not keeping track of that kind of stuff. I'm just a regular guy who goes to a regular mass. So the idea that you're going to pull out this weird faction and try to like run a vendetta against it against um, it very interesting it's a it's a quirky thing to have to have alighted on and it's my belief that uh this guy either personally thinks they're a problem because he's kind of a leftist member of the church and he wants this kind of leftist lean um but clearly if you look at the language that's in that document uh the guy talks about uh pregnant people and not women um you know talks about lgbtqia plus rights uh, which are not necessarily a thing, as far as I can tell. I think we all have the same rights. That's sort of the nature of America. So, a really interesting, very leftist slanted talk, and um, I think it gives credence to to what uh, this analysis that we've kind of been putting out is.
0: Oh yeah, the, no, the th- this great, th- this is so busybody that I'm I'm uh, I'm surprised. Now, how do you how do you know? Before I get into the, the, my my larger thoughts about that. Because what you're describing, I guess I should just say it now. Well, you're just, yeah, I'm thinking about a, a real. It could be a busybody that is just trying to figure out all the ways to make it work together. Obviously. You can say well okay the jesuit right there wants to do the work of the jesuit pope who obviously hates the uh the traditional latin mass so uh maybe uh moving that along helping the church mold uh, meld itself greater and greater into this one world religion new world order kind of a situation and then you have just basic things where uh, uh, what's what's the, uh, where, where was the other direction I was going in? That was That's the bigger. But the second one is, um, oh, shit, I was just on it. Damn it. Kyle, what the hell that. was I going to say, Kyle?
5: It's the worst. That's the worst feeling. You know, so you're correct. I, uh, there's always a possibility that this person is running basically their own personal ideological vendetta. And uh, if that's the case, that's really troubling. It's, uh, you know, it's off the rails. And using the FBI as your personal... Uh, as your personal sort of uh, vendetta machine, you know, it's very Hoover-esque. So in some ways, I think that Hoover would probably be very proud of this sort of activity. But, um, you know, what a what a shameful thing and a shameful display for the FBI in general yeah. to uh, take to that sort of thing on.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I remember what, was, what I was going to say now, too. It was one of the last remarks I made prior to calling you up, and that is that If you know what the culture is in this country especially politically and what we have been seeing I know that you can attest to this the culture inside of the FBI and these agencies and I'd love to get a little bit more into your personal story in a second but um, I was talking about the war on terror how we knew uh, we knew what was going on right around 2001 2002 it started changing big time we started seeing a lot of entrapment going on around the country, uh, to justify a lot of counterterrorism budgets, especially to entrap, uh, young Muslim boys. But that's not the MO anymore. Now it's been very made clear, very clear to all of us that the new war on terror is, uh, is taking on a very new kind a of big time do- uh, demographic change. It's a lot of people who are practicing more traditional ways of life, faith, uh, American, traditional American governance, all that stuff. So it, it, it seems to me like somebody's justifying a budget and is also just trying to wage the, the wage war and, and create new patsies for this war on terror that's been announced a couple of years ago now.
5: It's the same techniques, uh, but it's a different target. So mm-hmm. I think you're, you're astutely accurately describing that. They are using the same sort of setup up jobs. We saw this in the Gretchen Whitmer Fed napping situation that uh, Julie Kelly did really good reporting on. And I know Tracy did really good reporting on as well. Um, This kind of stuff is, it's old hat. I mean, the Bureau has been putting sources into mosques since the beginning of the war on terror, you know, coming after 9-11, the first ones that we know of, of major Supreme Court cases, started in 2006, and I guarantee they were doing things before that. But there's a significant amount of money behind it. There's a big budget. That's a big thing. And uh, Congress funds that initiative specifically. And people may not have a concept of how much money we're talking about. You say a lot. It doesn't mean anything. The FBI has uh, about an $11 billion budget for this year. Hmm. Last year, it was just under $10 billion. And during that time, uh, all FBI agents, all FBI employees do what's called turking. It's a time utilization code system. And they, they assign their, their man hours that are used each week to specific case types. So if you're working domestic terrorism, white supremacy, then you're going to assign it to a 266 something. Uh, I think November is the the code. And then if you're doing you know Chinese matters, it's going to be a 200 something. So all these numbers have a meaning. They're all coded to the type of casework that you're doing. What they were really short on were what are called 415 uh, designations, which is international terrorism. And they were so short on it that they were trying to get all the hours they were doing on January 6th cases to overlap and then therefore be reassigned to international terrorism because they were doing the domestic piece so heavily. And they were doing it because if they didn't get the right number of hours under this 415 codes, they were going to lose over $300 million allotted to them by Congress. $300 million, about a third of a billion dollars. So that's the kind of money we're talking about. That is not insubstantial.
0: Am, am I am I am I asking the wrong question or noticing something that's not there by, by saying when you when you talk about hours being logged on domestic or international does that mean that the international work that usually would have been done four or five years ago was not being done anymore it was being yes. redirected so it makes you wonder how important was that work in the first place what work was being done that it was easy enough to cut so much time off of the docket there that you would have lost most of your budget if you if you had just done the work that was most pressing
5: yeah um if you'll give me a little bit of leash with this i think i can answer this question please in sort of a long form that i think is gonna uh i think it's illuminating so uh i gave this treatise i've got it down to like a 15 minute ted talk i'll try to be tighter no p- p- honestly kyle we're just chilling as long as you got time i got time go ahead so here's here's what i think happened um on september 12th 2001 the american people accepted a new definition of national security and the prior definition was pretty straightforward it's the oath of office that all people take when they go into federal service or in the military and it says that you're going to protect and defend the united states constitution which is to say the constitutional republic um, from all enemies foreign and domestic and that essentially is your guarantee that you're willing to put your life on the line to continue the constitutional republic People die when that happens, right? That's just the nature of the beast. They die overseas. Sometimes they die here domestically. It's not good, but it is what they've chosen to do. And so that's an, I think there's an honorable way to do that. On September 12th of 2001, that definition of national security changes and it becomes something very, very different. And it is the basic assumption that no American is permitted to die at the hands of terrorism on U.S. soil. And that is a fundamentally different mission. And it's also a zero fail mission. When no American can be permitted to die, then you are dealing with something that's totally different. And it's my belief that once you take that, it's the same as doing the zero COVID policy that the Chinese had. It's an unwinnable war. It's not that tyranny is on the menu. It's the only order. You have to be tyrannical in order to accomplish that. And so that's why you see people getting welded in their houses um, in these uh, Chinese photos from 2020 and 2021 uh, and videos of that. Um, when you accept zero risk, then you can have zero freedom. And so we've been slowly moving down that route. Now I'm going to go back to, to, to September 12th again. We started off going into a mission of uh, war on terror, which we actually described WOT. Most people are familiar with it. There was uh, you know several different operations that were launched on the U.S. military. And the U.S. military is really good at breaking things and hurting feelings overseas when you let them do their job. And they did. And they went into Iraq and they went after Afghanistan. And you don't have to agree with the wars, but they tied up those enemies that were ideologically opposed to the U.S. in a big way, and they took the focus off the United States homeland, which was the, which was essentially the goal. If you talk to some of these guys, it's like, what do we accomplish? We accomplish tying up the enemy on its own turf and not letting it come here, because there's obviously plenty of people in this country, or in this world, rather, that are um, opposed to the United States and the freedoms that we experience. Okay, so that's that's sort of the underlying premise. So how do we do it back home? The FBI launched all of its investigations into international terrorism. Anybody that was from out of this country that was gonna possibly run around and do the 9-11 thing. They were gonna do a suicide vest, they were gonna hijack a truck, they were gonna take a, you know, a plane and do any of these things. And they ran that down really, really quickly. It turns out there wasn't a lot of people that wanna do that, and those people were rounded up in pretty good order. So the second thing they had started to focus on, and this is in the, uh, you know, the late part of the 2000s into the 20-teens, is what's called homegrown violent extremists. <laughs> and homegrown violent extremists, are people that are from the United States, or at least they are now here for a significant period of time, but they start identifying on a radical ideology from overseas. This is your US-born ISIS supporter, your US-born Al-Qaeda supporter, and so on. Um, Al-Shabaab, whatever you want to call it, any of these sort of Islamic fundamentalist terrorist groups, when you start identifying with them, then you are a HVE, a homegrown violent extremist, which is not the same as domestic terrorism, by the way. These are people that are inspired by foreign ideology. And the U.S. ran those down pretty good, too. The Bureau was quite effective at doing these things and got rid of them. Those were all the 415 designations. They still fell underneath international terrorism because of their ideology. And they ran out of them. And at some point, they started manufacturing these cases. And uh, Trevor Aronson is a reporter at The uh, the Intercept. He wrote a book that's called The Terror Factory, Inside the FBI's Manufactured War on Terrorism. It's, uh, 13, it's what, 11 years old right now. I think they had their 10-year anniversary last year. He reported this in depth. He's got a a very long TED Talk. I've spoken to him at length, and he's a lefty, by the way, and he talked exactly about what you just said, going after sort of black and brown faces is his sort of words, um, You know that the FBI targeted them for racial animus, and I don't think that's true. I think they targeted them for money. The old simplest thing there is. It's just basic petty corruption that they had a budget, they had a uh, a mandate, and they went and they tried to keep it going and keep money flowing.
0: That's what it looks like to me.
5: Well, that's the manufactured cases and they, those are documented. I mean, there's plenty of examples of them. People can go read that book and I think um, it's worth their time. It was considered mandatory reading on my counterterrorism squad when I was doing uh, surveillance. So you've got this this book that's detailing this playbook of how they do it. And basically what I always tell people, they go, you know, what's your advice for people? It's real simple. Um, if you ever meet somebody, usually it's online, but it could be in real life. You meet somebody who basically agrees with all of your dumbest and worst ideas, including those that are violent wants to help you accomplish them and is able to do so for the exact amount of money that you have, that's called a federal informant (laughs) or an undercover FBI agent. So that person's not your friend and you should stop talking to them. That's really easy. And then you're good. Then you won't be in the Whitmer scenario. Then you won't be stuck with one of these uh, frame jobs, but that's essentially how they happen. They go after people that are desperate. They oftentimes either low IQ or emotionally disturbed and they wreak havoc and that person usually ends up going to jail for 20 plus years. That's just the nature of the beast. They ran out of those people on the, uh, on the homegrown violent extremists. So we've gone from IT, international terrorism, to homegrown violent extremists, that's domestic with the foreign ideology, and now you're already looking inside the country, and you have all these apparatus that will be able to monitor communications, and you have all the systems in place, and you're used to recruiting CHSs, the confidential human sources. So how do you keep the money going? You create a domestic violent extremist category, and you run those down. And it's my belief that they started with something called racially motivated violent extremists, also known as white supremacists, because nobody likes white supremacists. They seem like real a-holes. So um, they're not very well defended by anybody. Nobody emotionally is connected to them. So yeah, get all those guys. Uh, as Cat Williams, the uh, the comedian, likes to say, you know, that the, the government are gangsters. They, they name things in ways that you don't want to be associated with so you can kill all the insurgents. I don't have one single insurgent friend. Mm-hmm. That was his take on the Iraq war. <laughs> and in the same way, you don't have any single... You know, white supremacist friends. So go get all those guys. It just turns out some of them are just college kids that are like, you know, tweeting or being on Reddit and saying things that are borderline racist, and they're wearing khaki pants and a polo shirt. And I I don't know if you're cool with them taking those guys down, but most of them are just free speech and idiots. So they go after the uh, the the white supremacists that they run out of. Then they go after the next thing, which was like militia violent extremists, because that sounds scary as well. But that's like people who have the Betsy Ross flag, like you can see behind me. And then you move into sort of the next level, and it just keeps going to the point where you get to the anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremists. This is your January 6 types, um, your your Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case. And then now we're doing things like anti-abortion which you may know as pro-life but anti-abortion violent extremists and they're going to just keep going down the thing and all these people tend to tend to be religious um at least on the anti-government and the uh the anti-abortion front because they have certain feelings about things and they'll probably have an anti-lgbtqia plus lifestyle violent extremist. that'll be another one and they'll just keep making these things up so i think that is the progression unfortunately it's all about money and it's very, very easily traced back to September 11th.
0: It makes me—it makes me a little bit worried, though, because, like you said, uh, Kyle, and you have—you have articulated this uh, in in more than a few places that I've seen you on, and and you being on with us in, in the past. Um, the demand for things like racism far outweighs the supply. So, yep. I mean, once they start making their way down the ladder, down the ladder, then they're subterranean. I mean, they, I mean, what do you do? What, what, where do you go after a while? I mean, what, you're, the, what you have described is such a stark degradation from such big global things. Like 9-11, that was the climax of everything. Because everything from there has only bred contempt and disdain and distrust. And we have seen nothing but us give, give, give up things that we used to treasure and now we're living in a uh a post-pandemic world now some of us still are afraid to take off our masks everything's all messed up we're talking about getting rid of cash finally that used to be a big conspiracy theory to want to talk about the loss of privacy holy shit but um so one last question on that when you said you said that um The foreign ideology, when they're trying to look inward to the domestic but but attribute it to foreign ideology, are you talking about radical Islam? Are you talking about Nazism? What is it?
5: It's usually uh, radical Islam. That's essentially what HVEs are going to be. There may be some small fraction that are not that, but that's all the ones that I'm familiar with. So that's a... That's the general gist
0: of it. Well, speaking of infiltration, I saw just today that the FBI has now admitted that at least 40 agents were embedded at the January 6th protests. And that, of of course, doesn't include whatever the hell they had uh, going on with the Capitol Police and other assets that day. So they're everywhere. Um, And and I'm glad that you brought up the Whitner Fed napping situation because that cannot be minimized. It is so important it's so important to the greater story, especially when it comes to January 6th. The, the, the Gretchen Whitmer fake entrapment kidnapping is so incredibly important. So, um, but, you know, I just reviewed your bio with the audience before you came on. And since it's just your first time, I would love for you to give us a little bit of background into the protected disclosures that prompted your suspension from the FBI.
5: Yeah, it's interesting because I was just uh, adjudicated as not a whistleblower by the Department of Justice as of this afternoon, so that's all fresh and breaking at the moment. Um, it's the second time they've told me that I'm not a whistleblower, but we'll go back to the beginning of it. So essentially what happened is um, in September of 2021, there was a, uh, a mandate that came down under the Executive Order 14043 stating that every federal employee would be required to get a COVID-19 vaccination. Um, I'd already had COVID. I have some significant religious problems with the way it was developed. I was a no-go on that, and I let them know, and I put in a religious accommodation request. Knowing full well that that might mean that they would fire me over it, that was fine. I was actually comfortable with the idea that I would lose my job over it. What I was not comfortable with is what they ended up doing, which is they just ignored it, and then they uh, they ignored the injunction that went on with the federal court system. Almost simultaneously to me putting in that in a religious accommodation request, I got an email in, uh, in late October, so just a couple weeks later, that essentially implied or made me believe that the attorney general of the united states had committed perjury in front of congress when he spoke in front of the judiciary committee and what he had said is that he could not see any circumstances where the doj would be using patriot act tools and or counterterrorism resources to go after parents at school board meetings and i got an email five days after he testified that stated that he well that the assistant director of counterterrorism from the fbi a guy named carlton peoples Um, was going to create a threat tag. Threat tag is kind of like a hashtag. It's it's a, a easily searchable tag on information in cases or in specific parts of cases. So it could be in a specific interview. It could be in a document that you upload, things like that. And they were creating this threat tag, which was EDU officials, in order to tag information about potential threats and or, you know, whatever violent rhetoric surrounding members of school boards. Which is essentially what the the attorney general just said he wouldn't do. Now, my allegation was specific that it came from. If it, this had been on the criminal division, by the way, it wouldn't have been as much of an issue. I think it still would have been wrong, but it wouldn't have been a whistleblower disclosure in the way that I did it. Um, it came from the counterterrorism director. This is not a counterterrorism issue in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it's barely a local law enforcement issue. It's certainly not something that would rise to the level of counterterrorism. It might potentially raise to the level of a federal crime if it involved interstate communications. That'd be like threats on the internet. Hmm. then maybe we can go that route. But if, to be totally, brutally honest, there is no chance that the FBI has anywhere near the bandwidth to take on this kind of nonsense because we turn down legitimate threat cases all the time just because of prosecutorial discretion, you know, the threshold and the bandwidth of it. Like we take on, if you threaten a federal judge, we'll probably take that on, assuming it's a credible threat. But I've turned down, I've had AUSAs turn down and ignore, you know, credible threat cases to federal officers and agents that were doing their job. Uh, which is also a federal crime, right? So this was my initial disclosure. I went to Yvette Harrell. She was in New Mexico's 2nd District. She was my congresswoman. I ended up talking to two members of her staff, a community outreach individual, and then a guy who was a law enforcement coordinator, 30-plus years with the New Mexico State Police. I made some other allegations and disclosures at that time, including some of the stuff that was going on with the Afghan refugee camps, which were in our backyard. We had two of them. One of them was at Holloman Air Force Base, and the other one was at Fort Bliss, Uh, approximately 20,000 Afghan—they're not refugees, actually. They were parolees um, that were brought into this country under dubious circumstances. So I let them know some of the things, including the fact that a lot of them just walked off the camp, like hundreds of them did. Just walked off into America, and we have no idea where they went. And um, they obviously have no authorization to work because they didn't stick around and get those papers. So who the hell knows what the hell that was doing? But they did that. So I made some of those things. Uh, I I shared some other things that were going wrong in the FBI just in general. I I gave them some concerns that I had about the process, including FISA 702 usage and and misusage, which is standard in the FBI. So I made a number of these whistleblower disclosures. Um, Obviously, the FBI was able to track the fact that only two people printed off that document and handed it over to Congress. And that would not have been difficult for them. And I was one of the few people that had no business getting that particular document because I wasn't a supervisor. It was sent out from the assistant director of counterterrorism. It went down to the field office level executives known as special agents in charge. Our special agent in charge in Albuquerque, he chose to send it off to all the supervisors on the front line. So it went to an SES. It went to the, you know, CC the uh, GS-15s. It went to the GS-14s. I was a GS-13. And so I was a frontline agent. And one of the guys that was another supervisor, not mine, Ended up sending it over to me, and uh, that's when I went to Congress with it. Not publicly, by the way. I had no interest in being public. That wasn't part of my game plan or my agenda. I just wanted Congress to know what was going on because I believe the AGA just lied to them. I thought that was a problem. Mm. Uh, obviously, it ends up in Jordan's hands on November 16th. It goes public. Jim Jordan's office uh, you know, publicizes it, discusses what happened. And on the 23rd, I was told I could no longer come back into the office unless I submitted myself to a COVID-19 test every 72 hours to prove that I was clean enough to be in the office with the other uh, federal employees. What the, how petty. Oh man. Well, here's what's funny about that too. Like I'm a, national, I'm a nationally registered paramedic and I had been for uh, over a decade at this point. I was right at a decade during that time. So 10 years doing that. I had a top secret clearance for six years. And you think that I'm not smart enough to stay home with the sniffles and a box of Kleenex. I had hundreds of hours of sick leave. It would have been no problem, which is what I argued. Just let me stay home. I'm not going to discriminate against myself. So I have a big problem with that. And, uh, you know, they said, well, too bad. You basically can't come back in the office. And I said, okay, that's fair. Um, And to be fair, I'm not saying that we were like the victims of the Holocaust by saying that there was tyranny being involved in this medical stuff. But I did say that those guys were acting like Nazis. and And I wrote it to them and I sent it to them in writing, which they they didn't like. So that resulted in like three months without pay and some other stuff. Well,
0: let me ask you this. In the opening, I played a clip of uh, Donald Trump talking with Tucker Carlson. I'm sure you've seen it at this point. And he said he went as far as saying that the biggest threat that we have is not Russia, not China. It's from within. Now, as a man who has spent a lot of time on the inside, would you agree with that statement or would you would you, would you temper it in some way?
5: No, I think he's correct. Uh, the most dangerous thing that's going on in the United States right now is what a lot of people are referring to. And I think um, I think it's coming from either a um, sort of a Hollywood uh, aggrandizement version of it, but they call it the deep state. And um, the deep state is not really the way that I would describe it. I don't think it's an accurate description. I uh, was on Seb Gorka's program today, America First, and I just said, I, I refer to it as the administrative state, because I think it's more accurate. And I think you can agree, we're not talking about, you know, cool guys like the X-Files who are smoking cigarettes and, you know, they only meet in shadows and, you know, they hang out in the foggy spaces of D.C. and they talk in parking garages where no one can hear them what's going on. No, we're talking about a guy that's like a GS-15 that's the top of the federal pay scale before you become a senior executive that, uh, you know, makes $175,000 a year and works on a a floor that has carpet that hasn't been replaced since the eighties. And it has fluorescent lighting that are crappy. And you know, there's a coffee pot that doesn't work. And there's a stain on the carpet where some guy dropped it, you know, 15 years ago and no one's ever been able to get the spot out. And he has an old desk, And uh, that's where that guy is. And he's the one who's making individual decisions based on his personal preferences because he's been in the government for 15, 18, 20, 30 years. And he thinks he knows better. Mm. And the sitting executive has no ability to influence that because it's someone said, well, you know, didn't Trump have control over the FBI? I go, I don't know. Let's say you hire a new CEO at Walmart and that guy comes in. Does he know what the night manager in Tuscaloosa, Alabama is doing? Like, no, he doesn't freaking know. But that guy, the night manager, could be giving away everything. You know, or he could be firing all the people or touching all the ladies or any number of bad things could be going on. So he has no idea. And it might raise to his level at some point or it never will because somebody doesn't want the new boss to know how screwed up Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, Walmart is. So this is exactly how it works in the federal government. It's so compartmentalized because there's so many people. When you're an employer that has 3 million, 3 million employees. Who the hell knows what's going on in any of these departments? You're basically left to the discretion that the political appointees do a decent job, which they often do not, and that the senior executives, which is your administrative state, you know, are loyal to their oath. And that they are actually going to follow through on the orders they're given, and most of the time they have their own ideas and they skew it the way they want. So that's what you're seeing.
0: Well, and, and it, it creates one hell of a voting block there too, because whether it's Republican or Democrat or whatever, they're definitely not going to they're, they're definitely not going to vote for anybody who actually wants to downsize the federal government. They'll probably uh, want to vote for somebody who maybe retools the way that the government works, but definitely not lose their jobs over it. And that really, Kyle, is what we talk about a lot on the show for many many years before national divorce started trending on on the on twitter you know for me as as i've been talking about for a long time national divorce is just a restoration of what america was it's not destroying the it's just you bring the federal government down uh, to to size which is almost nothing compared to what it is now and right. you know you're talking about tuscaloosa Tuscaloosa would actually be the be all end all almost the be all end all because you're talking about the things instead of the FBI managing something there or or you know whatever you're talking about with all these these places all over the place. Uh, I mean it's really just Alabama wants to have their State Bureau of Investigation all they have to deal with what's going on within their borders but this massive operation is just it's and, and, and you know you made a great point. You have the guy, the, uh, the, the guy who's making less than 200 k in an office with the, the carpet from the 80s, and I'm sure there's a lot of that is just the case. And, and because of that compartmentalization and that personal egoist, egoistic chaos that's going on, it makes it very easy for those who really do want to wield some sinister plans and, and, uh, and make some sinister plans uh, real. I mean, there, there's plenty of cover. Because there's so much chaos and everyday uh, inefficiency that you can hide behind. It's nuts. Now, here, let, me, let me ask you a question on that. I saw somebody respond to this Trump thing. Um, uh, I think it was war clandestine. had said the f- following. He said, Trump once again confirms what I have been preaching. Russia and China are not our enemies. They are defending themselves from the deep state psychopaths that infiltrated and corrupted our government. The enemy is from within. The question, in, question is, who puts a stop to it and how? Now, who puts a stop to it and how is the big question, because um, a lot more people are losing faith in the way that we do elections, and, uh, and, and once faith is completely lost, then you either have a completely um, apathetic group of people living in your, in your uh, country, or you have people who are ready to go to war when they feel like they are not represented anymore And criminality is so blatant and public and in your face, so uh, you have to. This has to be something that you contemplate all the time. How do you put a stop to this kind of bureaucratic madness?
5: I think it's got to be local. So I, I mean, that is the question. It's like, how do we, how do we stop this? Everybody's looking for someone to step up and do something. Like, there's a lot of people that are yelling, "Do something!" And so I'll tell you kind of a funny story. Um, I was in the Air Force. I I had a buddy. He was a, a rafting guide. And one of the gals that he had taught how to be a rafting guide was getting married. She was a sweet girl. I can't remember her name, but I was at her wedding and we knew that we had volunteered to help like set up chairs or something like that. And the night before the wedding, he and I are hanging out and, um, and I I think we were just drinking a bottle of George Dickel, I think is the name of the whiskey or with a bourbon. So we're sitting and drinking bourbon and we're like, you know, trying to like mess with Wikipedia and like change, change some, some uh, articles on Wikipedia, just like a couple of boneheads just sitting around causing nobody any trouble. We're up till two or three in the morning, you know, Needless to say, you go to sleep, you you wake up in the morning and it's a little bit rough. You know, my eyes don't want to open. I get the desert sun coming in out of Albuquerque because I was stationed at the Air Force Base there and uh, I get the sun burning down on me and I'm laying on this couch and I got dog licking my feet and I'm just like, ah, this day sucks. I don't want to start it. My buddy comes walking down the, the hallway wearing his boxers and the t-shirt and he's scratching his bell and he's looking at me and we both know we have a lot of work to do. We got to do something today. And there's nothing he can figure out how, how to articulate that, that there's a sense of urgency, but no drive, no no uh, direction, right? And he just looks at me and he just yells. This is the first thing he says for the morning. He just goes, something, you know? And that's the battle cry that so many people in America are feeling. It's They're yelling something, but nobody knows what the something is. They know we got to do something. Right. Yeah. So that's a long answer of saying there's a lot of impotence right now. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, horsepower with no transmission uh, for my for my motorhead types. Right. We're not able to get any traction. So here's where I think it goes. And I'm open to being very wrong about this, but I just I cannot. I'm it's I'm, I'm like this is the best thing I've come up with. We need a governor, probably a Republican governor, because I don't see anybody on the left doing this right now. We need a Republican governor to stand up and go. I'm not going to cooperate with the feds in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to declare my state as a sanctuary state from federal involvement, including law enforcement, and we are going to let them operate the way the hell they want, but they are only going to be able to do it with their own authorities, and we are withdrawing from all task force. We're not going to be participating in drug task force. We're not going to be doing it in counterintelligence task force. We're not going to be doing it in criminal task force. You're on your own. You cannot use our officers for any of your operations. Good luck, and I hope it goes really great for you. And by the way, if you step over the lines of our state constitution, we will imprison you in a safe place and hold on to you until your government comes and gets you, and you can go move somewhere else. But you cannot be part of that if you're going to be in the state of Texas, for example, which I think would be a good start, or Florida maybe. DeSantis and and Abbott seem to be uh, playing like Rochambeau for who's going to do the right thing, and so maybe one of these two guys wants to step up, or maybe we have another governor do it. And when we start doing that, When we start pushing back under the 10th Amendment and stating these are not federal authorities that you are allowed to have, you are now infringing on the original Constitution, we're essentially talking about a Cold War soft coup situation. And I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to do the so-called national divorce, which is to say avoid a kinetic civil war where things actually get hot. I would like to see it happen with a bunch of policy decisions. And here's the other thing that's going to happen when that goes down. The Fed is going to sue in federal court to tell whatever state it is that has the nuts to stand up and do this thing that you are now required to do it because the constitutional supremacy clause says so and we that's the way that we do business and that governor needs to say very good uh i really appreciate your opinion and i don't care you can't do anything about it because there are a hundred thousand local deputies and state troopers in the state of texas alone maybe more and there are less than that when it comes to all the federal agents combined so what are you going to do You're going to send in every single federal agent into the state and try to stop us? No. You're going to shut up and you're going to take your ball and you're going to go home because we just said so, and then Louisiana will go with it, and then Alabama will go with it, Mississippi will go with it, Georgia will do it, Florida will do it, and South Carolina and Kentucky and Tennessee and, you know, Arizona. And you'll just start seeing the dominoes fall because everybody goes, yeah, I actually want to be in charge of my own state. That's really what the governors are supposed to be doing. Stop ceding authority and power to a federal government that's overrun its boundaries. I said, uh, "What we talk about mission creep and the fact that the Bureau did this. All of government has done this. The way I think about it is, if you, do you ever have ivy, like a, like a ground cover when you were growing up? Mm-hmm. If you take ivy and you grow it in your front yard and you don't put down like a metal landscaping barrier, it'll grow right over the top and it'll roll right into your lawn. And even if you do put down that metal barrier and you don't tend it, for a period of a couple of weeks, you'll come back and there'll be shoots and suckers and they'll all be growing out into the lawn. So it needs to be constantly pruned back with an aggressive weed eater so that you have a nice looking, beautiful, very well-maintained ground cover. Otherwise, your ground cover looks like crap and it goes all over your lawn and it takes while and a lot of work to recover it. Right now, we're in the recovers phase where we have to come back and get some of these, these uh, shoots and, and uh, creepers out of our lawn in order to, to recover what this country was designed to be. And and here's the thing, it works better for everybody left and right when it yeah, does that. They and really left does. can scream yeah. about their things they, all they want. But imagine if they had local control, and you got a city that's full of 40% transgender people, I guess, because apparently that's a possibility now. Well, guess what, as a city, you can do whatever the heck you want with your bathrooms. I'm not going to that city, but that's okay. You can do it because you're a local government and you have the best idea of what's good for your people. Knock yourself out. But we don't need to make that happen for my city. I live in a little town that has 3,500 people right now, and uh, I can go and touch a cow in 10 minutes from my front door on foot, all right? So I don't need transgender bathrooms where I live, but maybe you do. So we make it down to the most you know granular level where local decisions get done, and they'll be the right decisions for the people that live there, and they'll be psyched, and I'll be psyched too. And so that's that's what this country started out to be, and unfortunately... We've gone very very far from the original vision but it it could be recovered potentially with something like this
0: i'm glad that we're on the same page with that uh, now of course the only thing that uh, the only thing that uh, that stands in the way of of this as you said the the reasserting of the tenth amendment is that every state needs to find a way to uh get off the methadone drip i mean there's a there's a lot of highway money that you have to be able to you want to cut off from the sugar daddy in in dc and go your own way and get off the credit card then you're going to have to be able to make sure that you can pay for everything that is going on inside your state without getting people killed because unfortunately welfare health care all that stuff is really life and death now a lot of people live uh the only reason why that so many people are living right now is because of what their subsidies they are getting from the government which comes in the forms of these block grants but the um you know, but I, I I always say that, you know, this this kind of uh, this kind of decentralization is, is great for everybody because there are some states, perhaps you can make all these wonderful pie in the sky, utopian, radically egalitarian programs work based on what you can generate inside of your state to pay for it you you might be able to make it work but your successes are your own and so are your failures and the problem is that so many of their ideas are bad that uh if, if they don't have money coming from the feds then their cities would go under it doesn't matter how many transvestite bathrooms they have it's um it's just a can- oh well let me ask you this one since we're speaking about <laughs> cities what do you think about robot cops what do you think about this robot dog cop you think that's going to work out in a place like new york and chicago
5: I think they should definitely do it because I don't care what happens in New York and Chicago. That's just because I live in a little town in Texas, and that's where I, you know, this is my seventh time that I moved back to the state of Texas. So I think big urban cities that want to look like Shanghai, you know, they want to sing to each other while they're locked down in their apartment buildings and they want to jump to their death because they're you know they can't get out and have a sandwich um i think if that's what they want to do then they should definitely do that that's not my world i wouldn't want that for anybody but i wouldn't want to take it from anybody either if that's what they they choose and here's the thing frank i, I mean i grew up in the same time that you did watching terminator and terminator 2 so my distrust of robots and robot dogs and cops is is total it's a hundred percent distrust i don't want anything to do with that like um I, you know, my next son, if I have another son, because my wife is pregnant right now, and you know we're gonna have a like a, a war baby, and and I might name him John Connor because like that's oh. I, we've talked about it. My wife's on board. That's that's even the best. John Connor Seraphim
0: is a badass name. I gotta say, Kyle,
5: it's, it's so strong, right? So here's the thing: my first son, my my only son at the moment, um, I named him, and I and John Connor was on the on the list. He was on the short list of names, but I ended up going with something a little bit more kind of like an fu to the bureau. And I named him Bodie, after the Swayze character, because hmm. he's away. And uh, and so that's that's my first kid's name. You know, my first son's name. My my girls are named after other characters that I, that I thought were strong women. But my, my son was named after Patrick Swayze's character. And people tell me they're like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "How do you spell it?" I'm like, "There's an H, and it's silent in there. That's how confusing it is." Um, he's going to be forever, ex- you know, explaining how his name was was done out and. So be it. But I could see naming my kid John Connor because I don't uh, want the robots taken over. We we can't have AI coming after us. There was a really interesting article about it that I saw somebody that was uh, basically drafting up here. And the statement was, was troubling to me because they said it's not about AI in its own sake or for its own sake. It's AI when it's uh, programmed with a significant bias by the programmer. That's the real fear that we need to have, and I don't know. Did you ever watch the Sarah Connor? I'll just run it back you. Did you ever see the the Sarah Connor Chronicles? Speaking of John Connor, I mean, and uh,
0: no, the Sarah Connor. Chron- what was it? A separate series?
5: Yeah. So they basically imagined no. like what was what was John Connor's teenage life between you know like Terminator Two and the Terminator I don't know three or whatever goes on or Terminator Salvation or any of this stuff. Like what happened when he was growing up, running around with a mom who was basically like a nut job, but was but was correct, right? And so, you know, and how do they live? and so how do they protect him from the future you know Terminator? So they send back a Terminator with him and all this kind of thing. Um, it's a It's a really interesting show. I don't know if it's great or maybe it's just because I like that that whole genre, but there's a, a fantastic thought experiment going on in one of it, uh, one of the um, couple episodes or one full season, I guess of it. And essentially, they take one of these supercomputer chips, one of these AI chips from a you know deceased Terminator, and they plug it into an, uh, to a modern supercomputer and they uh they get another terminator to program it so you have a terminator programming you know this ai chip literally for the sake of it learning like a child and it speaks like a child even though it's like a terminator body it has very childish type conversations learning things Hmm. and uh and they name it john henry because you know the man who outworked the machine and it's kind of brilliant and it's kind of a really neat, like whoever the writers were, were really cerebral types that were really looking into something that I think was, was the most true to the sort of fear that we have about AI coming after us. Is it really, you know, that the AI immediately looks and says human beings are the problem? Or is it that there was some like rogue programmer who was like, human beings are racist, sexist, homophobic, and they're the problem. Like, because that's where that kind of comes in on. Because as as it stands, human beings are not necessarily a threat to, to AI at all, I wouldn't think. So it's kind of a funny little way of like, how did we get there? It's a nuanced discussion that's 20 years after the original stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of those themes. I want. I wonder about that a lot, but I also wonder about how to combine the the artificial intelligence cybernetic future kind of an idea with with also the opening of portals to the spirit world, and 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 how how these uh, these gadgets that we use and even the gadgets that they want to insert into our brains could be uh ways of becoming conduits for all types of spiritual entities to come through dark light whatever and uh, and and i always wonder about that to to be to to open up the doors for demonic possession through technology you, you think about a technology as basic as a ouija board causing problems for people what happens when you have a computer chip opened into your brain that is somehow i mean there, there's a there's, there's a lot there. And then, then we really yeah, just, there was
5: a show called evil that was like really, really upset. I don't know if you saw that one, but man, no. that, that scared the living hell out of me. And, uh, and it was basically just taking on the idea of exorcism and, and, um, and sending, you know, Catholic investigators, they bring on a skeptic who's like, you know, a psychologist and she's, she's too smart for the church kind of deal. She's probably like a recovering a recovering Catholic kind of deal. And, um, Man, some of the stuff you you see in that, like, it just reminds you that there is a tangible version of evil. And some people have seen it, and a lot of people that have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about. And then there's some people out there that will poo-poo it, and they've closed their mind off to it. But then if you think really, really hard, they've had one concrete, inexplicable experience sometime in their life where something, like, it just, you just knew that what was going on was not of this plane, let's say. Mm. Um, and I've watched a Twitter thread where somebody mentioned basically I had this nightmare where I was, you know, paralyzed and this thing happened. And I had this sensation that there was, you know, like a spirit or something that, to the effect like speaking to me and, um, you know, scared the hell out of me. I just got goosebumps thinking about it because I had a similar experience when I was 16. And uh, and, and like everybody, on, like you just watched like a couple hundred responses of people saying very, very similar things. There is a human experience that is that is pervasive across all cultures. Of the spiritual realm, you know, and 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 a lot of it is is uh, evil, and some of it is amazingly, you know, uplifting and good. It, and it's out there, and it's it's in play. So yeah, once you start opening these portal, the idea that you're opening your brain up through technology. Um, You know we're playing with fire, and there's no question. Like we don't understand what the hell we're doing. We're in that sort of technology dark age right now, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. Yeah, I was was actually gonna ask you how many people at the, how many people in the bureaucracy in the administrative state do you think are perfectly possessed? That's a uh, that's a uh, a term that I learned from Malachi Martin in all of his uh, interviews that he did uh, about about possession. How many people do you think have actually made a pact with the devil and are walking around in perfect confident um, assurances that they did the right thing and they are uh, they're loving what they bargained for? Do you think that there is an aspect of that that you have you have just sensed the sensed the oozing out of somebody before ever?
5: Most of the people I meet are much more like, you know, they're they're appropriate for the environment that they were in, you know, um, and that is to say, like the banality of evil. Mm. Uh, the same way that you, you would hear about talking about Nazis that were trying to perfect their system. They were just trying to make the trains run on time, but the trains were running to death camps, you know, that sort of thing. Like they weren't interested in the death camp part of it. They didn't really care about the ideology that was behind it. They just had a widget and they were trying to perfect that widget. There are a lot of people that are doing that game. It's like, look, I'm in charge of human resources. And for that, we need total compliance. And that means every one of you has to go get this shot in your arm because we said so and we tell you what to do. And you're going, uh, no, I, I don't agree. And then it's like, you know, then they tart out a little bit because they don't know how to handle that pushback on you, and and that's more my experience of it. It's like I said, it's very banal, it's very, um, it's very administrative, and it's not, it's not overtly evil. It's evil by its nature, but there was something uh, Mark Hout. He was the pro life activist that uh, came out of Philly and you know defended his son and ended up being. Uh, charged by DOJ of all things and then acquitted, like within a very short period of time during the jury deliberations. And Mark Hout said something to me that I thought was really interesting. And, you know, we both come from a Catholic background, so this was an easy discussion, not necessarily a spiritual discussion we were having, but there, it's hard to talk about it without it. And he said, you know, um, you know, whether you want to call it uh, evil or, or the devil or Satan or, you, you know, give it a name or just the, the forces that are part of it um, is most happy, you know, sort of lurking about the world without being known, Mm -hmm. without being named, without being loud. Um, The shrieking sort of, you know, Banshee type demon experience is not something that is very successful. That's a hard tool to recruit with. You're most capable when you do that sort of thing that... uh, You know, Kevin Spacey talks about it and the usual suspects, right? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he didn't exist. That's how you're the most sneaky. It'd be the same for an intelligence um, organization. It'd be the same for a possible coup. You know, convincing somebody that it wasn't a possibility, that's the real power, being able to do something like that. And so I think that's been my experience that I don't think these people are overtly evil. I don't think they made a bargain with the devil, although there's certainly some people in the world that seem that they have. Uh, I just don't think that they were people I experienced in the administrative state. I think they're just doing their job, and they think their job is the most important thing. What they've done is they've basically replaced uh, you know, two different Gs. They've replaced the G in God uh, with the G in government. And so government is sort of, that's the thing that comes and keeps them alive. It's what sustains them. It's what makes everything work. It's what they believe in. And so it's become the value system. It's a, a secular type of religion, which is an evil in and of itself, but it is not, uh, it's not nearly so overt and it's not nearly in your face in that way of perfect possession or anything to that effect.
7: Hmm.
0: Okay. Well then I, I'm going to stay in the fantasy land for my last question for you, Kyle. We're going okay. to fantasy land. So the FBI, here's the fantasy. Okay. The FBI calls you up tomorrow agent Seraphin, we were wrong you were right uh you are uh you're not only not only do we admit that we were wrong but we want you back and you are going to be the director of the FBI what are you doing first what are you doing first let's let's say you take the job you're the director of the FBI what are you doing first and then what are you doing second
5: um, so the director of the FBI, if I'm correct, I believe is in was one of the original classifying delegation authorities, which is they are able to classify and or declassify things with uh, permission within their purview. So we go big on that transparency, radical transparency, disinfect with sunlight. That's a big deal. Um, any outstanding request by Congress for oversight, give them everything they want. If it needs to be in a classified setting, send it to the SCA if they have access. We'll do that.
0: Is there anything, Is there in any, one? any one thing in particular you want to see declassified as a citizen? Anything you want to see declassified that the FBI would be able to make possible to shed really big light on something that we've been asking ourselves for however many years? It could be as, as recently as the Las Vegas shooting that they said we'll never know anything about or what? What, what would you go for if you had a, a personal request to, to uh, bring to light?
5: I think showing the uh, the reverse targeting that was done with the 702 FISA process would be a big deal to, to show like what that was and what it looked like. That whole program is disgustingly uh, immoral. It's illegal. There's nothing you could do about it because that's just, it's the nature of the job. I always tell people 702 FISA is like giving a TSA agent a, a metal detector and telling them their job is to look for guns hmm. and everybody has to go through the metal detector. But they're not allowed to use the metal detector to find guns. They have to use other methods to find the guns. It's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. And so that's essentially the way that 702 FISA works. They're giving you all the access to all this collection, the collection comes in from all the different facilities that are overseas only, but the people that we're interested in are domestic. And if you were to go look for those domestic people, that's illegal. It's actually explicitly forbidden by federal law. So the way that that's abused, and it's used used like 3 million plus times a year um, by by the last audit uh, without permission for that so that'd be a big thing i think just to show sort of good faith but uh, you know end of the day I'd, I'd get rid of everybody from a gs15 up wow if you're a gs15 that means you're an asac an assistant special agent in charge all the special agents in charge every single ad every single deputy assistant director every executive assistant director the deputy uh what is it the assistant deputy director the deputy director every single person that is in the entire uh, management structure above the gs15 would be gone because every single one of them were complicit in the sort of COVID tyranny and the lockdown, they all agreed, whether they did it tacitly, whether they did it with reservations or otherwise, they enforced those mechanisms and all those people violated their oath of office. So I would toss them out and then every single supervisor would have to interview for their job again. Every GS-14 would have to tell me why. We'd go around the, you know, the country and you'd basically have to say one of two things. I didn't know what I was doing was wrong, in which case um, we will put you into some training and you can't be a supervisor ever again. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I believe, you, know, you know, but I did it anyway. You're fired. And then the last one is I believed what I was doing was right and you can never hold a supervisory job again. And we have to either train you or fire you as well. So that's every GS-14. So you'd be left with the frontline agents, and every single one of them would be, and like, you know, they'd have to interview for their jobs again, too. The whole agency needs to be basically gutted from, from top to bottom because even the people, you know, people always say, well, like, you know, are the rank and file, which is not a thing. We call them brick agents, the frontline agents. You know, are they equally corrupt to the way that the seventh floor of the Hoover Building is? It's a real straightforward question. Who's serving those search warrants at Mar-a-Lago? Who's serving the search warrant? I don't care who gave the order. Who's actually going and doing the, the thing on Mark Hout? Who's arresting pro-life activists in any given state? How is that happening? It's people who said, this seems like a real problem, but I'm going to do it anyway. And those people are all suspects in my book because I know at least four people who didn't do that. And so there are people who knew it was wrong, and they're really good people. But they're regular people. They're not exceptional. And none of us, like, I don't consider myself to be exceptional when I was an FBI agent. I just knew that, that what they were saying was wrong. And they were, you know, literally thousands, like maybe two and a half to 3,000 people who knew what they were asking us to do was wrong and refused to be part of it. Uh, they didn't want to get the shots. And then the rest of their sort of problems flowed from that. So day one as director, yeah, you're all interviewing for your jobs. That's really the big piece of it.
0: Wow. Uh, what, what the, the, I would love to see the New York Post headlines on that day, Kyle. That would be that would just be incredible, man. Oh man, I I I gotta say, thank you so much for spending this much time with me. I hope you come back to hang with us again sometime soon.
5: Yeah, you tell me when, buddy. I yeah, enjoy it.
0: All right. Well, Kyle Serafin, at Kyle Serafin on Twitter and elsewhere. But uh, let everybody know, I was just on your website to read your bio. I know you have a podcast. You obviously do a lot of media. You were just on with uh, Seb Gorka today, you had mentioned. But w- what does the rest of your week look like so people can continue to follow you? Because you do a lot of wonderful commentary, and, um, and, and we've had a lot of fun exchanges. I can't wait to get back into those
5: fun times. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm going to be talking to somebody from the Family Research Council. Apparently, they have their own uh, television network, and they're going to be talking about some of the issues. Again, some of this issues with infiltration of Catholic churches has has hit pretty hard. And um, we are in talks right now. I'm in talks for my podcast to get picked up by uh, a small fledgling uh, startup network that's going to be kind of pushing out uh, sort of a same worldview that uh, I think many of us hold, uh, not explicitly religious, but based on some, you know, fundamentally um western principles of, of christianity and and basically the way that, that most of the uh, libertarians in this world want to see the things exist which is to say that uh they don't want to be told what to do they don't want their freedoms to encroach on anybody else's they're not trying to run anybody's lives but there is a right and a wrong and we should probably try to like veer closer to the right than the wrong as necessary so uh that's probably coming down the lines that people can just check that out it'll be uh, announced i'm sure in in uh, public but also my website kileserafin.com is really easy to remember and, they can send me emails there too. If people send me stuff, I usually respond, unless it's super crazy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah. Because then oh, we know is. that you're just a Fed
0: boy, and then well, or saying, you're
5: mentally ill. I get a lot of people that are just like asking questions that are just beyond my scope of of capabilities, and I, I think that's funny. But I, I like, you know, unfortunately, I can't help people. It I don't know how to help the FBI help you. It's, they, they won't even help me. So we
0: all, oh, we yeah. all do the best we can, Kyle. And you do a wonderful <laughs> job with that. And uh, thanks again. We'll be in touch. Oh, this was a really enlightening talk.
5: Yeah, appreciate it, Frank. We'll see you soon. All right, good night. Bye, buddy.
0: There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I thought that was spectacular. Now, I'm going to go on a really quick break for intermission. When we come back, it is, it's 823 right now on the East Coast, so we, should, we have about a, a half hour left. I get into your Super Chats. I get into some of your calls. We'll see if I can round out these other things that I wanted to play for you. And whatever has to go into the leftover pile for tomorrow, i will so be. It. But tomorrow, we're going to have just as good of a conversation with another person. I can't wait to introduce you to. So uh, there you have it. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere.
2: It's intermission time, folks. Time out. And press the like button. Thank you.
6: gentlemen. We'll we'll be right back.
4: Yeah, intermission. we
8: Entering, quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly quite
4: frankly
7: quite frankly quite frankly quite
1: frankly
6: quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly quite frankly
8: quite frankly 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 quite frankly
0: You know, um, my brother, my brother's out in California with Tom and Derek from the band. It's the first year that they've gone out to uh, NAM, the Music Convention, without me, because uh, they, they put it on hold because of all of the uh, COVID stuff, and then they're it's back now, and they're out there. They just landed this morning, so I was uh, I was making jokes with them. I was just I was making jokes with them about, uh, you know, oh, you're landed? Oh, good. Take some pictures of, you know, so-and-so or this and that. And it's all obscene, terrible shit. Wouldn't you know it? Anthony, Derek, and Tom, they get into their, their uh, rental vehicle and they're just leaving, the, uh, they're leaving LAX or wherever the hell they are and they're making their way toward wherever they're staying and they're at a red light and there's a guy wrapped halfway in a blanket that's just standing there pissing into the street. And he sent me a video. He said, hey, Frank, I said, hold on, I, I, can't, I tried to download it for the show, but I couldn't because it, it was an MOV. But uh, you'll be able to hear um, Anthony shout me out and, uh, and everybody laughing at, at, the, at the, the video. Listen. There
7: you go, Frank. <laughs> there
0: you go, Frank.
2: There you go, Frank. You want you wanted something? You wanted to
0: see something? There you go. <laughs> and the guy's just taking a piss on what? Well, I don't know what the hell it, it's just right there, right, right. I, I mean, there's California. He said they said I can't believe this. Now it's been since 2019 since we were out there in California together, at the, in the Anahe- Anaheim area, and um, and then I got this back. He said this, the store, and I got this from Derek as well. Anthony said, the stores are like barren wastelands. Barely anything is in stock. And the CVS said that all their carts were stolen. All the carts and baskets, all those have been stolen. And told us that we could bring stuff up to the counter when our hands get full and then come back with the rest. Walgreens, the same thing but worse. We asked where, uh, we asked where their carts were. And the guy said, his, the, uh, his exact words were, it's either we don't have any or we don't have enough. That was the exact words. We went to three different places and they didn't have solo cups. So we ended up stealing three slushy cups at a gas station. So um, then Matt says, tell me which gas station I'd like to notify them of this thievery. So Matt is already going to go narc on Anthony, Matt and uh, uh, <laughs> Anthony, Tarek and Tom <laughs> for taking three slushy cups because the state of California has no more solo cups. My gosh. My gosh! Well, 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 what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I'm here with you tonight, and we'll uh, we'll make do. Okay, let's get into your super chats, shall we? First one up. First one up is from Michelle. Michelle says Kyle Seraphin. Kyle Seraphin means reliant, fiery one. Interesting, very interesting. Love you, Frank. Thank you so much for that, Michelle. I wonder if Kyle knows that. Stostube says, Frank, just stopping off a little, uh, dropping off a little something. To show a bit of support for the Quite Frankly, and in this case, no one has let you know, Quite Frankly is by far on top. Much love for the Quite Frankly show always. We are very fortunate for the top-notch independent media. Thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for the kind reviews every night, Stostube. I, I, I just... For everybody and and i know there's there's a lot of you who show up a lot in the super chats that show up a lot in the uh in the paypals little little tiny uh gifts and 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 tokens and wonderful reviews and kind words i I really hope you never think that you're take being taken for granted because i um it's just very hard i'm gonna have to start finding ways to say thank you in different languages because Yeah, well anyway Here now Josh says Frank The blue belt jujitsu and homeschool champion Dolly Mama turns 41 today Just thought you should know Well, happy birthday Dolly Mama Happy birthday 2002 WV Cabrio says Brave Brave New World book raffle Oh, you got it Well, you're in there 2002 Now you will be in Okay, over on to Rumble we got one rant I think that's from Larkstar it says that was a hump day quite frankly TV home run well done Frank and Kyle I'm glad that you liked it I had a wonderful t- I knew it was going to be a good one he's a great chat and we were able to do a little bit more than than uh, just the surface level stuff we, di- we dipped a little bit deeper which you know that's what I like to do over on quite frankly TV powered by Foxhole the gold pills Paulie thank you Thank you, Sean Joe. Jesse, thank you. Sean Joe again says, no Chinese takeout for you, Frank. Gave me a cookie. Thank you. Woke Societies sent me, says Trump Red Pill. Well, I love Woke Societies. He's a good man, that guy. He's a good man. Let's see here, uh, Jesse, thank you, Stax, thank you, Sean Joe, Frank, ask him about McGonagall, top FBI guy in New York who was working with Russia. I did not see this, I'm so sorry about that. Thank you, NJSA, uh, NJSF, jam-packed show, this one will be worth a rewatch, great independent media. Jesse, Trump Hill again, Jesse again. NJSF says totally on board with the Seraphim plan. Oh yeah, that be that would be tremendous. That would be tremendous. If you were going to keep the FBI around with all, which ultimately I wouldn't. You know, my I asked him, the question was, okay, you are now they 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 grovel and they say we want you back and we're sorry for what we did and we and, and you are now the director. I can't expect the director to say I'm shutting the whole thing down. Yeah. I would expect Uh, him being in a higher office than that to say I'm shutting the whole thing down and get rid of it but as a as a director who actually wants to to make the department the bureau something worthy of existing you would do something no less than what Kyle described absolutely you would do no less I'm on board with that Chai Possum says Kyle was spectacular thank you Frank and then thank you again Jesse at the end all right all right. What do I have over here? Um, You know, speaking about the Russia-Ukraine DNC leak thing. Well, there's a few other things. You saw Ron Paul on Timcast. It's really cool, Ron Paul, to get around like that. I'd love to have him on this show. I really would. And he talked about JFK being assassinated by the CIA and all that, and how um, he said that the the day that the Republic ended, that we all lost it all, was on the day that JFK was assassinated. I thought for sure he was going to whip out 1913 with the Federal Reserve, but he paid a good amount of attention to the the, the financial system going to hell in a handbasket for which there was no cure. That was interesting to see. Here's a little bit more of the NYPD revealing the robot dogs. Let's, let's, let's watch that, and then we'll take some calls in a little while.
10: Today, we
1: are announcing three new policing technologies in New York City. The K-5 autonomous security robot, the Spot DigiDog robot, digi-dog. and the Star Chase GPS attachment system. Both the, tar- the Star Chase system and the K-5 robot will be deployed as a pilot, which we will discuss further. We want the public to know that the use of these technologies will be transparent, consistent, and always done in collaboration with the people that we serve. And as with every NYPD initiative, we will continuously evaluate their use and impact on our city. Our job is to fight crime and keep people safe.
0: Yeah, well, you don't do a good job. So how are the, how are the robots going to do it? Are there guns on the robot? Oh, there's Eric Adams.
3: The commissioner stated, uh, "Transparency is the key, and the two pilots that we are rolling out today to see how they fit in our public safety environment. Oh no, is matched okay, with the DigiDog. Dog.
0: The DigiDog. Dog. Dog is so. So here now they're going to show us the two new robots. There's a little bit more here.
3: Out of the pound, DigiDog Dog is now part of the two kit that we are using. And trust me when I tell you this, if a person has a loved one that is in a hostage situation, they want a digi dog, a real dog, and anything else they can get to keep their family members safe.
0: What the fuck does that mean? If you have a, a family member or a loved one in a hostage situation, trust me, you want that digi dog showing up. What are you, can you explain why? I hope he does.
3: We are leaving no stone unturned to protect New Yorkers.
0: Now look at these things They look like giant trash cans These things are going to get kicked Abused in all types of ways Now it's going away Look at this These little R2 units over here and there's an R five, and they're going away. Boom! See
3: the, see the, the robots. Uh, nope.
0: okay. So I mean, I they still don't understand. They don't. They don't say anything about uh, what's going on. What's going on? I mean, they, if they want to leave no stone unturned to save New Yorkers' lives, they could just go back to, um, you know, really good police work. And not restricting people from doing common sense things to, to keep the, the streets safe. But then again, you know, as Kyle said, it's New York's problem and it's only going to get worse. They're putting these, 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 uh, these trash cans out there rolling around. That's going to deter crime. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more into this because when you say that you're going to deploy this digi dog in hostage situation, what does that mean? What does it mean? If I'm being held hostage and that dog shows up, why do I feel relieved? So I'm going to get to the bottom of that for you because this is, so far, makes no sense. All right, let's take some calls. 914-595-6953. I just got a text message from Abe. He says, it is Robot Hole Wednesday instead of rabbit. Robot Hole Wednesday. I hope you are all ready for that the after-hours programming on tv It's going to be there for you. So much more. What did you think about tonight's show? I have another piece of media over here that we can go to since we're speaking about the whole Russia-Ukraine-DNC link nonsense from before uh, that all has to do with Julian Assange. Well, our friend Jose Vega is at it again. you got to take a listen to this one. I'll play it in just a second. In just a second, I want uh, wanted to make sure that we got uh, this one call in first. Hold on a second, nine five one. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey,
6: this is Don. I haven't called you since you had uh, John Ward on. Frank, how's it going?
0: Wow, wow. You said Don? Yeah. It's been. It has been. Be, must have been a long time. It must have the last time that John Ward was in uh, was Halloween night. I think Halloween night, 2020.
6: It's been a while. No, it's been a while. Anyway, I live near uh, Pachanga Casino here in SoCal. Mm-hmm. They use them here, man. They already have them in force. So tell me about them. Now,
0: what I just had on the screen right there, is that a little bit more of what you have? These, like, walking trash can kind of things? They're dome figured and they're rolling around. What, what? Tell me what they look
6: like, what they do, and how people have received them. Um. I blow right by him. I mean, I don't even pay attention to him anymore. But uh, I see people gawk at him, and I've never seen them interact with anyone in a violent way. Do you know what I'm saying, Frank? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. But they're just part of the scenery now.
0: Just part of the scenery. Makes you wonder. Yeah,
6: it's amazing.
0: Yeah. You have this little Roomba. This little Roomba is walking around town now. Taking a pictures of it, taking pictures of everything, uh, it's just—it's just, it's just going to be really, really interesting to see how these play into the picture, the the greater picture of how they operate. So. Um So, yeah, it's one thing to say, okay, well, this is going to be out there directing traffic or or something. But when you start talking about hostage situations, Don, that means that there needs to be some kind of lethal force or some kind of deterrent that could be deployed by this thing that not only takes out the assailant, but also saves the person who had been held uh, in captivity. So that is uh, that that's a very specialized operation right there that you are delegating to a robot dog they I, I, I got to find the details on on how this pulls it off
6: you know in a casino you got people sometimes not looking and acting their best but so far I've never seen any damage done to anyone or any of the gaming devices so they must work right
0: I guess so but I wouldn't I wouldn't try any funny business in a casino now or in a casino in 1995. Uh, it, 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 that, has always, that has always been more tightly surveilled than any place on Earth other than government buildings. So uh, I guess having this thing running around is just going to be a little bit extra, hey, don't mess around. But thanks for the call, Don. It's great to hear from you.
6: Have you heard from John lately? I don't want to take up too much
0: time. But... John, uh, well, I, I know a lot of people ask about John Ward. All I can say, and uh, you know, he doesn't. You know, when I, I don't bother him too much, but he's doing well. He's out there. I get a response from him every once in a while. Um, I only message him once every couple of months to see how he's doing. But I assure you he's alive and well. But um, that, that's, that's just really it. I, every, every so often I'll give him a reminder how much he's missed. And, uh, and, and who knows what happens in the future. For now, I guess, um, I guess just keep wishing him well.
6: All right, Frank. Have a nice rest of the week.
0: Thank you, sir. And, and call in more often. It was great to hear from you. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. There you go. There is Don. All right. Eight, one, we'll take one more. 817, you're on the air. Who's this?
9: Hey, this is Lori from Texas. Hey, Lori. I've been Lori. listening to you for years already.
0: Wonderful. It's great to hear from
9: and, you. Hey, um, I was listening to Kyle and you talk about the uh, demonic possession and um, electronic um, devices. And um, I remember back in um, 1999 when my father passed away. Um, you know, I was feeling really down. I was on his laptop and I wanted to write him a letter. So it was really late at night, I couldn't sleep, crying, you know, mourning for him. And I started typing on his laptop, uh, so to write him a letter. And um, all of a sudden, I had this uh, box pop up saying, go to daddy, replace with ghost what and it yeah it was really weird and i i it frightened me a little bit and i'm like it's got to be a coincidence so i just xed out of it and You're, started so, typing
0: so you were you, and, you were let me, popped up again ju- just to just to uh, get things clear here you are it's 1999 so everybody th- we're already a couple of years into most people having a pc at this point and everybody's on you know their dial-up internet 1999 is very very popular there's less and less people who don't have a computer with internet access so yeah. uh mm-hmm. there you are you just lost your father i uh, very sorry to hear about that and um and you're writing a a letter just a kind of exercise yourself a little bit and to get some things some thoughts out and to hopefully find some relief through the the writing process and the word processor had a notification pop this is a notification inside of the word processor that was asking you whether or not you wanted to replace the word daddy with ghost
9: right exactly that's
0: that's some that's freaky shit
9: at that at that moment is what, and I had just I I it happened three times, it was it was really late, and at that moment I just shut the processor down and I it was a, a laptop was one of those really thick laptops I just shut it down, I was like this is too crazy.
0: No, especially at night you, know, you can't like, have, something like that happens yeah. at night you that that is uh, the, the creepy scale is 10,000 10, times worse than if it happened at noon.
9: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just wanted to share that because I really do believe that, you know, in this day and age, even more so, that um, uh, even with uh, the technology that's out there, I have, I, 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 I'm, I'm Catholic and was brought up really, you know, um, straight up Catholic. Um, or we were told that during, like, um, you know, some healing masses that we were in, when um when people were being um, exercised or whatever, like, for example, if there was a demonic possession within the healing mass that we were uh, supposed to exit the um, the church and that we weren't supposed to bring in our uh, electronic devices or record it or anything because the uh, demonic spirit would be captured in our telephone, you know. So mm. it, it was, it, 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 you know, I really believe that, you know, demonic spirits can be captured
0: in a, in our electronic devices so yeah i i, that's I, my take on it. I I've, i'm always wondering about it and the more that we talk about it the more that people put their input in and the more people uh report on it like parapsychologists and stuff it, it makes more and more sense and uh hey you know it's there's there's so much energy that is produced i know it's connected oh yeah
9: that's that's what they are,
0: energy. It's so much energy. energy. You got to imagine. It's mm-hmm. like a magnet. It's like a magnet. It That's really right. is. You have these, the the lights that go on. It's light energy. It's it's uh it's the connect the the wireless connectivity. There is something unseen that cannot be measured by the the naked eye. And 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 there's a mar- there's definitely a marriage there. It's like the trap in Ghostbusters. That you know, if uh, <laughs> I I I really do believe it. If you can send evil spirits a legion of demons into pigs in the in the in the bible because uh oh, yeah then why not a cell phone but thank you for the call it's uh thank you for sharing that
9: hey i just wanted i just wanted to say i've been listening to you for years i love you i love you and your family and how you've grown i keep up the great work and you know praying for you over here okay
0: well thank you and i and uh and, and i'm sh- shooting the same back to you have you had any weirdness since the 99 99- 1999 processor notifications anything since then or was that like a a one-and-done kind of a thing
9: Uh, oh no yes we've had some i mean i feel like you know once you're you know you're spiritually in um the the devil's always trying to um get his um you know his things into you you know Uh, he's always trying to Uh, pull you into his realm so
0: oh shit you know what i'm not not, obviously i'm not going to dox you or anything like that but i just look down at your phone number and i see 666 in it yeah but
9: 666 is the number of man
0: right i'm just saying (laughs) just saying synchronicity talk about a notification that popped up all right well thank you so much (laughs) well i'm I'm sending you all 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 of our love over here from new york thank you for the call all right
9: thank you all right bye. bye bye take care.
0: Must be nice being down in Texas right now. Must be nice. Okay. Really quick break. Really, really quick break. Don't go anywhere.
4: to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. But since you want to help, maybe you can help me, okay? You remember that thing we had about 30 years ago called that Korean conflict? Yeah, where we failed to achieve victory. How come in didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those rice eaters back to
8: the Great Wall of China and take the Berkman's Brick
7: and New them back into the fucking Stone Age River? How come?
8: Tell why! Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Cause Truman was too much of a pussy wimp to let MacArthur go in there and blow out those coming bastards!
7: Good answer.
4: Good answer. like the way you think. I'm gonna be watching you.
7: I love QFTV. Yeah. Yep.
8: you're
7: cool. Uh, what's
8: QFTV? Did you say, what's QFTV? Missy gonna need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after Quite Frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on quitefrankly.tv, powered by Boxhole.
0: hours programming begins in about 10 minutes or as soon as I get off of here 914-595-6953 Um 320 you know what I'm going to leave I'm going to save this for uh with Jose Vega for tomorrow they confronted Russiagate fanatic journalists who we got here Masha Gessen David Remnick Anna Nemzer Beth Noble. Come and listen how great we are as journalists talk. We touched on Russiagate, Seymour Hearst, Julian Assange, and Mar- Masha being a CIA a- asset. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I definitely want to hold on. Let's just let's take another quick call. Maybe I'll play that. It's only three minutes long. Hello, 786. Who dis? Hey, it's Dom. Dom, welcome to the show. How are you?
8: Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, I was enjoying the show, but
4: uh,
5: I gotta say, you said you're in New York. You said to that last caller, it'd be great to be in Texas. It says and sounds as a New Yorker yeah. who's not no longer in New York, doesn't get to be there no more. I think that's uh, a little bit
8: disrespectful on your part, to be honest with you. Oh yeah, where are you at? Well, I'm in Florida now, but
0: that's very disrespectful for I you mean, to, to. Why are you in Florida?
2: I don't want to. I mean, it's a work thing for me. But oh. why are you disrespecting New York, the greatest, the greatest city in the world? Why? Uh, wh- how is Texas any better than New
8: York? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not? Yeah,
0: I'm talking weather. I'm talking about eating. I'm talking
5: because it's a it's the greatest city in
0: the world. It's oh yeah, everything. It's the center of everything. What are, you, are you kidding? What do you what do you got? What do I you got? Do what you got it? Yet. What do you do over there? What do you do inside of New York? What do you when you're up here? What do you do? Where when you come back home? Where do you go to eat first? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me what it tastes like. Go ahead sell new york for uh, me. come on sell I mean, I me York. hey go hey sell I sell slide, new sell new york
5: i have a slice. you have a
0: slice where you way. where do you get a slice from you get it from
5: louis you get the slice oh, from louis on. where do you get the slice trying to be disrespectful to oh. me i'm saying why do you love new york what's your problem with new york we well, got a problem d- d- new york? When, when
0: the hell when do i always say that i got a problem with new york i i complimented i complimented
5: well, say, i need to be in texas
0: i say yeah yeah sounds like it would be it sounds like it would be nice in texas Sound like nice. No, sounds like Texas would be a nice day. Why not? Why can't I go for, visit a friend in Texas? Enjoy the sights. The, what? What? You got a problem? What, you got a problem with New York? What's the? What's the? Why? Why would you ever leave New York? Why would you leave New York on even work, my friend? Why would you? No, I'm not going to go work in Florida. Florida's the basement of America. I would give up New York for Florida. What a loser would do that. That's enough of him. Anyway um let's listen to a couple of really badass new yorkers jump in front of these russiagate fanatics listen to this
10: idea how stupid we look to the rest of the world we have julian assange in prison for four years and we're here talking about journalism Ukraine is doing everything you're accusing Russia of doing they've banned the Russian language they have outlawed political parties
0: now this is I think the the I think that this is the voice of Diane Ser or sorry well say, I, I forget that that, that was a uh, this was this is the uh, the 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 candidate that Jose Vega is you know likes to uh, go and and push for senate over here in New York or or I think for US senate I'm not sure but anyway another uh Larouche follower I I told Jose let's get you in, in 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 May and and have a talk because just these just scouting out these events and getting there listen to how they bring and of course everybody's very uncomfortable that they bring up Julian Assange and Seymour Hersh and uh and they're calling out all of these uh, mockingbird assets over there air
10: I was, I was asked to one of the things, one of the, of the do? things. No, we know. should but talk about you know, this because we're about to be perhaps no. in a nuclear know, war. The U.S. is going fascist. I don't know if you've read the Resist Act. We have Assad. And...
0: So, of course, there's a lot of people who think, oh, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Well, crazy people are here in New York. Imagine that. And um, and they just can't believe it. Fascism? There's no fascism while we're around. We're liberal. There's not going to be any World War III. It's a it's a war. It's a war for liberation. We
10: invaded Iraq 20 years ago and killed a million people based on lies. They keep going. Now
0: here here's uh, when Jose jumps up. We got this Hold on.
8: Hey, where's Seymour Hirsch? Shouldn't Seymour Hearst be here? I mean, why we got this CIA acid Vivian Goldman want to be here instead of Seymour okay. Hirsch? Here's a question. Did we blow up the Nord Stream or not? Did we blow up the Nord Stream or not? It's a simple question, yes or no? I'm just asking a question because everybody wishes they knew something different. What about Russiagate? She was completely wrong about Russiagate. I mean, let's just be for real. You were wrong. Everybody was wrong about Russiagate, okay? Robert Mueller took away the case. Think about that for a second. Sorry, sorry. Now, all sorry, of you are no, wrong. Sir, Nobody sir. here has even said a word about us blowing up Nord Stream. And now what? You, you have no, a no, State no, Department no, no, no. official sir. talking sir. about sir. banning all Russian media from around the world. I mean, where's the outrage sorry, against that? Sir. Sir. Or Julian Assange? I'm okay. 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 No, I'm not going to be quiet. Yes, because frankly, no, gonna no, I'm not. Be... Yes, you sir. got to take me away. Okay. Because I'm okay. here yes. to expose the truth about you. You're a CIA asset who said nothing Seymour Hersh the biggest story of this century and nobody said anything instead you're all here what masturbating at how great journalist you are nothing revolutionary has come from any of your articles what's wrong why won't you take the question you took up to Putin right you won't answer about Seymour Hersh what's going on I thought
0: this is great Could listen to it all day really could and they sit there with the, dis- the, the smirking dismissiveness, but as I say, right below the smirking dismissiveness is a boiling sea of rage. It only takes a little bit of prodding until you get there. You know, first you get the wagging foot, they, they're crossing their legs, they wag their ankles a little bit, and then it just becomes, and then both feet get down, and it's just, it's just interesting. So there's plenty, uh, plenty more to talk about as the week goes on. Tomorrow we're going to be diving into the weather. Diving into the weather a little bit. I hope you're all having a good time from now until then. Get on over to quitefrankly.tv. It is Robot Hole Wednesday. Hope you enjoy it. SF Green Eyes says 10 bucks for your response to the, to the New York fan. Bravo. Listen, I'm a New, York, <laughs> that's a New York fan. It was just some troll. Probably is not even from New York. But I, uh, I'm from New York. And I, I love this place. Especially away from the city. I mean, the city is a, the city is a uh, a self in, uh, it's been a, a self important part a corner of this monstrous state. It's it's huge, it's gargantuan in size. It's just absolutely beautiful. So, uh, so yeah, no doubt about it. But yeah, Texas does sound great. Want to go down for some barbecue? Maybe catch a game in that new stadium that they have. That's air conditioned. Not Houston though. Not Houston. Not going anywhere near that house of horrors. Anyway, all right, ladies and gents. We will be back tomorrow at 7 o'clock. I hope to have you all here. Get on over to QuiteFrankly.tv. It's going to be a wonderful night. It is just beginning. So uh, don't waste any time. We'll see you there. Thank you.
4: I'll catch you on the flip side.
0: quite frankly is filmed before our live studio audience and now our super chatter starting with Michelle Stostube here now Josh 2020 VW Cabrio and thank you to Lark and SF Green Eyes over there on Rumble to all of our wonderful friends on the uh, the foxhole I'm releasing the scratching right now and I'll see you in the chat room before long good night everybody